Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like this show, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging and MMA, so you should read the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, we have a busy weekend in the combat sports front after a week without any, you know, semblance of real combat sports. Uh, well, not entirely. I mean, there were some other things going on other than uh, the celebrity boxing and craziness of last weekend. But we had UFC, we had Bellator on Sunday, back to back as far as main cards go. Uh, and Dan, you were not psyched for any of this. I was not really. I mean, it was, it was whatever. Turned it out is to be whatever, good. folks. It turned out to be some pretty good fights. The, the main event at UFC was pretty fun. There was other good finishes. So we finally saw some 10-8 rounds. Yeah. I haven't seen those in a while. I think it honestly was a solid card. I know you weren't, like, this obviously, this was your opinion kind of going into watching. Uh, yeah. Uh, on paper, cards that aren't pay-per-views aren't going to get my full attention for the live viewings. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like the lead up to it. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch them. I'm still going to like I'm them. I'm sure there's uh, exceptions, right? There's, we've had some good cards over the, the past few months Oh, yeah. Well. There, there are exceptions. And there, I mean, I was psyched. I was ready to watch Jim Miller fight this weekend. That's true, yeah. Didn't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Next uh, two weeks, I believe, or the, 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 each this card coming up and the card after that, we got a Dawkus on each one. You do like the Dawkus, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for that. Next week, I mean, we're not going to talk about it tonight because we are going to have a midweek show. That's right. We we will have a midweek show. We'll be previewing uh, the UFC pay-per-view this weekend. Probably we'll do a past judgment, I would think, right? Yeah, most likely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so we'll get more into that, but I'm very excited for that one. Okay, okay. So, you know, real quick, like let's kind of just run down kind of what happened over the weekend, the bigger stuff. Main event, UFC, Anthony Lionheart-Smith got the win, a uh, spectacular win. Uh, over Ryan Span, even uh, still had a little bit of attitude after he got that win. It was, it was, I, that was uncharacteristic. I love that. Yeah, a lot of people were. I were fans. do not need to see two guys smash each other in the face and then hug at the end of it. I don't need to see that. You can be happy. I mean, but I like I like the, the talking and, and and I just whooped you. Like you can't just turn it off right away. I'll never hug you again. Good. All right. But I mean, I don't need to see you know be best buds after you just try to fight each other. I, that's why I don't mind when LeBron James storms off after after Game Seven. He's upset he lost. You don't have to go shake the team's hand right at the way, right away. You know you can be upset with yourself All right. and just walk off the court, All right, or but... be or, or taunt the other guy, yell at him, show some more emotion. <laughs> but as far as Smith's performance itself, I mean, uh, he's looking pretty good in he, these last three fights. He looks good since that poor, poor, poor performance against Rackage. Yeah, Alexander Rackage, that was not a good one, but apparently. We might be getting these guys running back. They're yeah. they're making their matchmaking on their own. It depends on what the UFC is going to do. Yeah, but it's I don't know. If they're I, talking about this. I don't know if I like it. Uh, I don't mind it, but I mean, the first fight was just so bad, and it wasn't really that long ago. It's a very strange. So, it's it's strange to me that Rakic is is all about it too. Like, well, because he just he made Anthony Smith look bad. He probably thinks it's another walk in the park for him. I think it's a, probably a different Smith because Smith has looked great in his last three fights. I think he's more. I think he's refocused so, ever since that. Obviously, the the big uh, loss that he had to Glover Teixeira last year. I think that probably had at least some lingering effects. That was a big fight. It was. I, it, was a big it was. Yeah, I was kind of when I was watching the fight. I was like, why is he not continuing to hit him? He can just pound him out right here and get the finish mm-hmm. easy because he stopped. Did you notice that? Yeah, I was. That was strange, right? A little bit. 
I don't, I don't know what, what the reasoning behind that was. But he got the finish with, with, the, with a submission. Good so. win. Good win. But you're uh, quick on Bellator, because this was the one that had, on paper, at least the more uh, high-profile fight, if not necessarily the one that people thought was still going to be all of that much of a barn burner, because we know these guys' styles. But what were your thoughts on Phil Davis's win over Yoel Romero in Bellator? It was, it, it, I mean, I was very impressed that he was able to take him down at will. That was. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I, I expected a little bit more resistance. I thought Yoel would have a little bit more to him. At the, I mean, but the guy is 44 years old. It's not that Phil Davis is young. I mean, I think Phil's like 37, I believe they said. Uh, so, you know, seven, eight years apart is still a lot. Yeah, I, I think Phil Phil looked a lot better than Yoel did. This is a much better Phil Davis. Um, I would like to see him kind of try to work that game a little bit more, a little bit of the down, you know, working on the ground, advancing positions, trying to, you know, work for stuff. Yeah, bring back the Mr. Wonderful. Yoel is is strong. You can tell even on the ground when he's on the bottom, there's yeah. still strength there, <laughs> which yeah. is wild. But, I mean, he's a tank. That, that I think is a testament to how well Phil Davis was performing against him. Yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil looked great. What does the loss mean for Yoel, though? I mean, again, I, I, he's 44, and this is, you know, it's the we haven't really seen the same Yoel Romero for a few years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think record even means anything for Yoel. We're never going to see him fight for a title, even in Bellator. Well, actually, I will never say never, because who knows what, what, what could happen over there. I just but, wonder what he really is anymore. I mean, again, it, it's been, he hasn't won a fight in years. Now, granted, I, you know, you could probably go either way with the uh, the Borishina fight, Paulo Costa from years ago, and you could even... To an extent, you could say maybe there's some case for it being a much closer fight with uh, Israel Asanya, but it we was... haven't seen the same explosive finishing Yoel Romero in years, so I just wonder what he is anymore. I don't know what he is, because it seems like he he doesn't want to really be there. He doesn't. He just stares at you for a while, throws a couple, some light kicks, maybe a haymaker or two once in a while, and then... He does like to move the hands around. And just sits there. I don't know. Weird. Weird. He's, I... a, he's a very strange fighter. I don't. I mean, I don't think a loss means really. It's it's whatever. I don't know that the loss like sets him back. It's not even what yeah, I'm talking it's, about. It's, it's really just a more of like what fighter is he we're a fighter? Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's is he put it this way? Based on recent performances, not just this one, is Yoro Yoel Romero a fighter you still want to see fight that much? I mean, I guess the potential for something crazy to happen is always there but does that is it always there is it there or is it kind of going away that's my that's what i'm really getting to uh, i don't know i don't know either i'm i'm starting to wonder if we're ever gonna really see it again i mean maybe against the right per, uh, opponent but you don't want to you're not looking to watch your real yoel romero fight against unranked bellator contender you want to see him fight some of the, like those interesting guys that they have at 205 you need someone fearless kind of who's just going to go after him get into some make him fight and not just you know you know be scared to throw because he has power i would be interested to see if they can get the um the old romero rumble johnson fight going again because that was you know going to happen and then it didn't happen yeah who's rumble fighting and well he had to pull out he pulled out that's yeah right. they announced yeah, yeah. it during the broadcast he he pulled out too i mean it was it was reported earlier but yeah they announced during the broadcast he was he has been removed who's um, due him? to an undisclosed illness i believe was was the reasoning that they gave so who knows what that was um i forget the name it's and i'm gonna butcher it but it's a uh, andrikis i believe is, is the last name i am completely screwing that name up but anyway uh that is who is stepping in to uh, Rumble's place in the tournament. And Rumble, Rumble was taking on Bader? No, he's going to go Nemkov. He's going Nemkov. That was going to be an interesting fight, okay. and now we don't have quite that as much. Typical tournament format. These things don't always hold up over the course of a planned year or so. Nothing ever goes as planned. 
uh, it is what it is. But I think we we've, we've got to get to contested rounds here, right? We've yeah, got, you know, we had we didn't have too many from UFC, but we're actually going to lead off with that Davis Romero fight because we had a split decision with every single round having some dissent among the judges. So let's get to it, Dan. Round one of this one. Why don't you talk me through it? Talk us through it. What happened here? Uh, kind of a slow round. I don't believe the numbers that Morrow was saying. I was like, there's there's no way. 44 strikes was landed by Phil Davis? Not a shot. In that round? Yeah, no. in that round. There's, there's just no shot there. Uh, he landed a couple decent shots to the head, you know, some leg kicks. Uh, I think Yoel landed some really heavy leg kicks. It wasn't all that much offense from either guy, but I favored Davis. He was, he was the one targeting the head a little better. And Yoel didn't really throw that many leg kicks. I don't have a huge problem with someone going to, you know, scoring it for Yoel that they thought those leg kicks were that good. But I, I think Davis is the better option here. So I went 10-9 Davis. Yeah, this is a close round. I, I had no problem with it going really either way, but I did see this one for Davis. Not, and not just because he was moving forward. I mean, that's not no, how that you wasn't win a, it. That no. is not how you win a round. But I will say this. Him moving forward, I think, created a little bit more impact on the strikes than Yoel was able to kind of get going because he was off the back foot. I agree. That That's kind of where I'm going here. Although I do think it was very close. I think probably even closer than you thought it was. But... Uh, nonetheless, I did side uh, with you, and you and I sided with Ron McCarthy and Mike Bell. Uh, Jaron Vallel was our third judge for this one. Saw this one for Romero. I have no problem with that one. This it's fine. This that's not. This is not a big deal round. It's it's a typical round that you're gonna get out of Phil Davis and Yoel Romero when they meet in the cage because these guys just sometimes it's not pretty, especially no. when they're separate, and now especially <laughs> when they're together. Round two though, this is. Dan, this is the round that I think caused a lot of furor, um, ultimately, when the scores were announced for this fight. Everyone was kind of up in arms about the scores because we had a 30-27 from Judge McCarthy. We had a 30-26 from Judge Bell. And then we had a 29-28 for Romero from Jaron Vallel. And Jaron Vallel gave, like I said, the first round to Romero, which, again, not a big deal. Round two is the round he also gave to Romero. Um, and and this is the one that's caused a lot of fear. Why don't you break down what happened in this round before we kind of get into that? So early in the round, probably like the first half, maybe a little more, Davis is, is landing, you know, volume shots, nothing really too heavy. And Yoel lands like three or four really solid shots. Oh, those were pretty good. But then about minute 40, maybe a little more, Davis starts finding his range. And he's, he's, he's hitting Yoel with some big shots, like within like, seconds of each other finishes the round throws him on his back and ends the round with a little bit of ground and pound don't see a case for Romero there is no case for Romero in this round this is not uh this is this is just the wrong score it's a bad score it's a bad score and especially from someone like Jaron Vallow, who actually teaches the command course alongside uh, Big John McCarthy. <laughs> alongside I, John McCarthy. Who, who was on commentary for this one. <laughs> yes, he was. You you just know that these guys had a conversation, right? <laughs> they had to. They, I mean, he even, I mean, he, I mean, he put them on blast on, on Showtime and, and to whoever who was in the crowd. He said, we all know that was unanimous when he was doing the post-fight interview. Sure. So he's like, yeah, crazy. I think. I would have to think he that... actually he actually laughed when they read his Ron's card because mm-hmm. he knew the way they were reading it. It was going to be a split. And he's like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he when he heard his baby boy's card. Yeah. <laughs> no, I again, I, I would have to think someone like Jaron Villa, who actually spends time teaching judges, is going to watch this one and be like, man, there was something missed here. 
uh, you know, for, for all we know, there's a billion reasons these kind of things can mm-hmm. happen. Someone walking in front, maybe he has a bad angle based on, you know, is, is someone's body in the way, that kind of thing. You just never know what types of things are missed. Um, that circle cage, too, that Bellator uses, a lot of judges are not big fans of it, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. And here's something that actually, this is a little interesting. In Bellator... In Mohegan Sun, my understanding is that they've been using a much bigger screen there. So, As like, to like San for their Jose. for the monitors that each person gets, each judge gets at their seats. Okay. My understanding is that for for events like this in California, the screen is much smaller, like uh, akin to like the screen you would get on a plane, like on the back seat of a plane. Okay. So you never know. I mean, maybe it's just does. It's hard to see things if they're looking down at the screen. I'm just trying to come up with ideas for why someone who I think understands how to judge a fight because, again, he's teaching how to do it and evaluating people who might be able to do it. So these are factors, but I would have to think ultimately he would watch this fight again and be like, I messed up. Yeah, I, I, McCarthy, going back to him, he's saying that he thinks the judges should be watching the TV broadcast when judging the fight. I don't know if he means that's what their broadcast should be on screen or if he means they should be judging remote. I don't know what, what he he didn't really. I imagine on that. I imagine what he means is that there would be a screen available and that would be the preferred way to do it because I, I I still think based on conversations you and I have had with judges both privately and on this show there is still something to being able to you know hear the right, noise yeah. on the landing of these you're not getting that on the broadcast you, right. even if you wear headphones you're still gonna miss that kind of thing you need to be right there so yeah. I think I think it would be a tragedy to actually take the judges away from the cage entirely give them a screen make it available make it a nice big mm-hmm. juicy screen high def as best <laughs> as they can but even at that i mean I, what you got to make sure you're getting the right so, camera angles and these kind of things too you know you, you never know but that's why it's good to have both i know i i, I know i i thought we didn't want to go on too many tangents say but i i know you've been watching attitude era I have been watching Rewatching. the Attitude Era. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, right. Uh, what a minute. I'm like. I'm like in September '99. I'm, I'm yeah, deep so into you're, it. You're still a few years away from it, but I mean, you're familiar with the Elimination Chamber. I didn't know. No, I stopped watching before that happened. That's not uh, Attitude Era. But but are you familiar with it? I've heard of it. I played the video games. So okay. I know, so I know so you about know that it. there's yeah. pods. Yeah. <laughs> Who came I, up with that stupid idea? I don't re- want to get off of the tangent, but remember. <laughs> okay, so. We, a couple of weeks ago, I said maybe judges should have a bird's eye view, like okay. it should be lifted above. You said, "Oh no, it's going to create a uh, create uh, this obstructed obstructed view like from yeah, for yeah. the crowd," and you know that's not good. Mm-hmm. What if they had jud- pod judging pods right there, and like that part of of it is it's just a clear plexiglass uh, <laughs> thing? You got three of them for each judge. You're you're you know you're fight fighter level. You're not even you're not even mat level. <laughs> I just picture these these <laughs> these men and women like pressed up against the glass, like staring with bug eyes, like, hey, what you guys doing in there? You having a fight? Who's winning? But that's not obviously how they would do it. It's just in my head, I'm just picturing men there and like just imagine you're in the cage and all of a sudden that happens and, and like they look at you like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, it's a hilarious idea. I think it's a terrible idea, but it's hilarious. It might work. It, I think it could work if uh, executed properly. But but to bring this back to the the uh, the round itself, yeah, it, this is this is not a good score. This is not an acceptable score. I would say um, it's one we don't need to see again, and I, and I would have to think would be more of a learning experience for even someone who teaches the course in Jernvillo. Yeah, I would agree. Round three, 
no doubter who won this one. Jaron Vallel was on, on board uh, with this one being a Phil Davis round. Everyone was on board with it being a Phil Davis round. But the question was, to what degree did he win this round? Was this a 10-8 or a 10-9? Uh, Dan, break yeah, down what happened uh, Yeah, there, there's no mistake who won this round. Uh, Davis cra- grapples uh, the heck out of, out of Yoel, makes him look bad, really, and had some decent ground and pound. He wasn't really really pressing too hard you know Yoel had zero offense but I don't think Davis had enough offense to get it to a 10-8 and, and I don't think he had enough fight ending offense so would you say you know because we're talking about 10 we're talking about the three d's here what, what kind of d's how many D, d's are you giving out I mean maybe dominance I think dominance is the only uh d that I felt very comfortable giving out for this one I mean I don't even know that you necessarily get to duration I mean we also here. had a bad angle for uh, you know, those elbows, we were right on top, so we, we're not even, getting this even with yeah. See, even with the screen, you don't always yeah. get a great angle, you know. So I didn't think they were landing. I thought they were blocked, mm-hmm. but I think I think there is a decent amount of thing the uh, blockage going on here for these. Yeah, and I just don't. I, I didn't get to a ten eight here. I mean, if he, if he kept pounding the body like GSP did to Sarah with those knees and didn't just land like three or four of them, I'd have been like, yeah, ten eight all day. I land. I landed on the uh, on the nine as well, just like you did. So um, in this case, it was uh, Ron McCarthy and Jaron Vallel who saw this as the nine. Mike Bell went for that eight score. Um, I I don't think it's crazy to go for the nine. I think you could probably get to duration. Maybe I don't. I, mean, I don't the eight. Uh, the eight. Excuse me. Yeah, he Mike Bell had the uh, the ten eight for Davis. I think maybe duration is the one you could kind of stretch that way. I just didn't necessarily see damage being overly so. Mm-hmm. to this case here so <laughs> but it's funny though because if you just think forget about like the way things are scored like it, it, just forget the criteria forget all that but just look at like these three rounds on their own round one really close yes round two clear yes round three lopsided yep there are three different scores i mean three three different distinctions for what happened in this round and dan what scores did we give in each round 10 9 right yeah. It's so stupid that this is the case. Is, yeah, 10-9. It is, this type of fight just blows a, a hole in the way the criteria is supposed to be set up, in my opinion. 10-9 is just, it's so wide. It's so stupid. I mean, <laughs> gosh. I mean, I, I would say probably even in our system, just the way we've set it up, you'd be looking at 10-9 first round, borderline 10-8 round two. Maybe maybe it would be good round 10-8. And then borderline 10-8, 10-7. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about like degrees here too. But I would even be okay with like let's say Sat- you were just building a uh, a um like a criteria from scratch. You'd look at this fight and say these are three different rounds. They should be separated. You should earn more more for each round. Yeah, I I, I feel like that this is like a good start point just to kind of demonstrate it. Obviously, we have more lopsided uh, rounds than round three was, and we have closer rounds than round one was. But I think the point that I'm trying to make, I hope I'm making it. <laughs> No, yeah, you're making it. Yeah. All right, all right. I mean, it, it basically comes down to ten nine. It is just blankets over so many possibilities. It's too broad. So, I mean, yeah. it's ninety to ninety five percent of scores are are ten nine. That's not, that's not how MMA is. It's it's a varied, uh, different, uh, so many different permutations of what can happen in rounds. Why are we all calling them ten nine? Stupid. It's just stupid. Yep. Stupid. It's stupid. It's it stupid. Is. 
dumb. Anyway, uh, moving on. That was that was all we needed to touch on from Bellator. We're, we're not going deep into the Bellator card, but we are going to talk about the five rounds from UFC. And I think UFC, the judges overall there, did a really great job, I want to point out, because they had a lot of rounds. I think so. Um, and there really just weren't a ton of variances here, and a couple of them were really more the 10-8 the variety anyway. So that's or three of them, actually. Uh, let's start with one of those fights that featured that, and that was uh, Iwan Kutelaba. In the co-main event, getting a unanimous decision, a very rare thing for uh, Kute Laba here winning a decision, over Devin Clark, 30-26 and 29-27 and 29-26. Not all three rounds were varied, but we've got rounds two and three. Dan, what happened in round two before we talk about how that was scored? Yeah, round two pretty much clinches almost right away, gets an outside trip, and lands directly in mount. And this, it drives me nuts. I'm like, dude, anybody train mount escapes because they just want to hold on. No one ever tries to escape it. It drives me nuts. Anyway, they end up getting back to the feet, not because of what Clark did, but because Kutalaba got crazy. He was trying to trap the arm and, and lost the position. Kutalaba got crazy. That's uh, That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, but nothing really else happens outside of Kutalaba grabbing him and clinching him against the cage. Uh, I think Kutalaba lands that big knee is probably the most effective strike. I mean, it smashed his whole bottom row of teeth. I don't know if you've seen that picture. It's a it's a pretty nasty picture. <laughs> it's like his, it's like it broke off at the gum. It's like gross. Yeah. Um, but I don't see enough there to get to ten eight. So I, I go ten nine. I also went for the ten nine here. Yeah, this was of course our our ten eight nine debate in this fight here. I went for the nine. Uh, same as Saldamato and Tony Weeks. Junichiro Kamijo was our uh, dissenting judge here, who gave it to Kute Laba at ten eight. I I couldn't quite get there. I just couldn't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe if he pushed more when he was in the mount. He landed a couple elbows, but nothing nothing really. He was trying to end the fight. I love how I'm saying that I couldn't quite get to the eight, even though we were just talking about how much we want the varied well, scores. You, but, that, yeah. but this is just the way it works. This I mean, is the it's, scores. It's not, it's, I'm not trying to score it the way I want the scoring criteria to be. I'm trying to score it the way I believe the judges typically do score it. Which I believe is, is one of the major issues of what people judging, because they're judging how they think it should be scored, not how it actually is scored. Oh, 100%. Everybody so, has their own interpretation of what the criteria ought to be or what they think. Yeah. should be written in it which they may not have read you know some people do have read it and they still say well i still want it to be that you know mm -hmm. and then there's some people who will interpret it maybe a little differently because maybe they haven't had the same you know conversations and and immersive learning and in, in trying to figure out what these things mean by speaking to officials and that kind of thing mm -hmm. you know there's a, there's a bunch of different reasons but i think you you touched on a really good point there dan thank you oh you're welcome <laughs> No hug though, like I said. No, yeah, no. <laughs> round three. What happened here? This was this was a strictly a who won the round. This is a fun round. Very close, I thought. A lot of a lot of uh, Clark feeling the pressure. He knew where he Definitely, stood. Definitely, yes. He came out. He said, "I, I got to you know end this," but that lasted like thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Kute Laba landed stronger on the ground. He had Clark folded up like a lawn chair and was punching him in the face. Uh, he, he didn't even pass to a dominant position. He just like trapped the arm and then folded his legs behind his head and just started punching him with his free hand. Uh, some good elbows from the mount once he did finally pass. Uh, but I think Clark had some strong moments at the end. I can see a case both sides, but I favor Kutilaba. Yeah, I felt the same way. I, I was very torn. I think you can make some some interesting arguments for Clark, and I think that was, that was why we ended up with um, Clark actually winning the round on two of the three scorecards. Uh, Junichiro Camillo and Tony Weeks saw this one for Clark. Sal D'Amato was the outjudge here. But you and I sided with him, even as the outjudge. So, Dan, what is that? What do we call that? Oh, that's a couchside override. 
I didn't pay attention to the outline. I didn't think we had one of those. No, no, no. I didn't write it in the outline either. Oh, but okay. I, uh, but, well, you know what it is. You sometimes do the, just, you know, this is this is a little inside baseball here. But sometimes you put the order of the round, whichever way you thought it was scored, will go first. Even though I like to put the majority score up top. That way, I know if we both ended up on the bottom, that it's a couch side override. Oh. Well, you know what? Actually, whatever I put for the first one, I put for the second one if there's multiple. Oh, if there's multiple I see. Rounds. I understand. Gotcha, like, ah, because gotcha, gotcha. I think it'll throw them off. But that was it for this fight. This was this was the only fight uh, on the UFC card that actually had two um, separate rounds in it that were uh, had variances here. Really, nothing controversial was going on at the UFC uh, over in Las Vegas, the Apex. We do have three more rounds, two of which were our 10-8 debates. And let's start with uh, with, with the most lopsided fight of the event. Aaron Blanchfield, who trains out of nearby Elmwood Park, New Jersey, getting the win over Sarah Alpar, who I had the the pleasure of speaking with uh, last week, or actually, I guess now we're talking about two weeks ago, uh, ahead of her fight. Uh, But unfortunately, she got beat up. She was completely out of her depth in this fight. Aaron Blanchfield beat her up. 30-26 and two 30-25s. And and it actually got a little bit of what I thought was kind of like a a little bit of a snarky, uh, almost like a a smile, giggle, laugh out of Aaron Blanchfield when she heard that. I didn't really love seeing that reaction because I'm like, come on. I like it. Uh, I don't know. I didn't love it. The girl's 22. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to crucify her, but They're fighting. They do not have to be nice to each other. But it's over. They're not fighting anymore. Now well, that's just my laughing. whole thing. You just fought each other. You should not be happy with each other. You shouldn't be friends. You just were punching each other in the face. Someone was just punching me in the face. Now I'm going to shake your hand and be nice to you. It's not happening. I um, mean, I would just feel bad, I guess, if it was me. I wouldn't do that. But, anyway, I, you know, I, I think both of these. Look, I'm not trying to, like I said, crucify her in Blanchfield. And plus, she lives nearby enough that she could probably find me and then beat me up. And I don't want that. Um, but anyway, round three. This is the round that there was some debate over whether it was a 10-8. Uh, what what happened in this round? Uh, on the feet early, Blanchfield uh, is definitely landing the harder shots, and it, it's not a total blowout. Alpar is there to fight, and she she's landing some decent ones of her own. But on the ground, totally different. Blanchfield actually passes guard, landing shots throughout. But if she didn't have that final burst, that final ten seconds, she flattens her out, and at you know getting close to a finish. Oh yeah, rest taking a good look. If those. 10 seconds don't happen. I don't go 10-9. I mean, I don't go 10-8, but because of those 10 seconds, she got the 8. I think I was probably leaning toward the 8 anyway. I don't know that I was. I, I couldn't tell you that I was definitely there or not before that sequence, but that that obviously made it easy. That it, was, it. it was a no-doubter at that point, yep. yeah. So I, I went the same as you. This was a 10-8 for Blanchfield. I think 30-25 is the score I would go with. I believe it was ten round 2. I want to say was the other uh, unanimous ten eight, right? 10-8, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. I, I, we didn't write that down. We should have, um, but yeah, this <laughs> Sarah Alpar just wasn't. This was not a good matchup for her, and I think this was almost made as a showcase for Aaron Blanchfield, who's a, a prospect that UFC obviously sees some potential in. Um, so yeah, you and I had the ten eight. We saw it the same way as Adelaide Bird and Junichiro Camillo, uh, and who's all over these ten eights. <laughs> Camillo's everywhere, and then uh, Derek Cleary was actually our dissenting judge. Had just the ten nine for Blanchfield, so. Uh, I think uh, he's on an island on that one, but that's okay. I don't, I don't, you know, ultimately we're talking about round three of a fight that was so clearly dominated by another woman is, you know, we're talking about semantics as far as he didn't score, score for Alpar. Yeah. I mean, it's important, I think, to get these rights, why we talk about it. But ultimately, <laughs> what was Derek Cleary doing if he gave it an eight or a nine? You know, mm. it's really just how correct he believes it is. And if he wins a nine. Maybe he had a reason. The other 10-9 that we had, the final one of the evening, was in the Rongju. 
Ten eight, thank you. Ten ten eight. Uh, it was ten nine also. But, but, yeah. but the reason we're talking about it is for the ten eight ten nine debate. Rongju got the third round TKO victory over Brandon Jenkins. Before that, we had a debatable round two, ten eight or nine. Dan, what was happening here? I think you know on the ground, Zhu is is just overwhelming Jenkins with transitions, landing good ground and pound, attacking the neck. Jenkins is just pure defense. And when they get to the feet with like 40 seconds left, Zoo is landing bombs. These shots are heavy. I thought it was an easy 10-8, and I, I really don't like that two judges gave it 10-9. Honestly, I, I'm with you. I thought Rong definitely got a 10-8 here. Yeah. Um, Eric Colon was the one who, who sided that way, so good job, Jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a very clear one. I, it was so lopsided, both on the feet and on the ground, for all the reasons you were talking about. It. Jenkins really just looked completely out of his depth against Rongju. I had no problem going for the 10-8 here. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, Junior Chiro Kamijo, who who was all about these 10-8s throughout the evening, is, is like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and And actually, and I have to point this out, Chris Flores, who I my understanding is this was his first UFC proper judged event in Nevada, typically based out of Arizona. And, you know, this uh, just because he didn't end up on the eight for this one. Obviously, he's in good company with Camillo. Uh, my understanding is Chris Flores is actually a pretty solid judge. And, and I'm interested to see more assignments from uh, the Arizona guy. All right. He's also done some boxing. He's judged some um, Dana White contender series. Mm. in Nevada as well so this isn't the first time he's actually been in Nevada but this is the first time we've seen him at the, U- at the UFC Apex for sure and I'm pretty sure it's the first UFC show he's done outside of Arizona period okay um but yeah interesting and and you know Camillo and Flores they were uh they were on the 10-9 side for wrong Eric Cologne had this one 10-8 and you and I did too so what does that mean sir uh couch side over Cologne could pick up his uh, couchside override prize at Seaside Heights Boardwalk. Yes, midway cheesesteaks. <laughs> I haven't been to that boardwalk in a while, actually. Hmm. I gotta go. Although not with kids. <laughs> it's more more fun for like grown-ups. Anyway, our final round, and this was also a fight that didn't matter because of a third round TKO. Joaquin Buckley getting the win over Antonio Arroyo. Round two was a debatable round, which way it went, I guess. You know, round one was all Arroyo. Round two, like I said, is split here. What happened? Uh, I thought Buckley was the one landing more overall. Landed solid leg kicks. Royo would throw like one or two strikes at a time. He only had that one meaningful strike in my eyes, which was that jumping knee. That jumping knee. It was a big one. Uh, Other than that, I didn't think he landed anything all that strong. Uh, I like Buckley. Yeah, I liked Buckley too. I think the overall... uh, performance in the round when you take in the body of work over the course of the five minutes i think you have to look at the effective striking there and and it did ultimately go the way of buckley but again there was there was that flash from arroyo so depending on how much you think that hurt buckley and it for me it was very tough to tell that buckley was terribly hurt from that one so i just didn't grade it as heavily as i did the overall output from buckley which was also solid yeah so for mm-hmm. out that round, and then, of course, he, yeah, he got that finish. So it didn't really matter. But, yeah, so we were on the side of Tony Weeks and Sal D'Amato. Camillo was the out judge here. Cam- I don't think any <laughs> was Camillo on every one of these rounds. Yes, he, he was. Might, he might have been on a lot of cars. I mean, they had to compete with getting judges in, you know, with 
Bellator. Yeah, because a few, basically the California guys stayed behind. So like Ron McCarthy's a California guy. He he was over in in California. Same with Mike Bell. Um, that's that's kind of how it broke down. Hmm. Um, and everybody else was more or less traveling judges or or like I said, Vegas judges. Like we have Camillo and and Adelie Bird. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at this and Junior Camillo was in every single round that there was some debate for. Sometimes he was out, sometimes he wasn't, but he was there every time. He's there. I don't know. Stamina's got to come into play at some point, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so. You know, I think these guys, they're, they are, first off, they had a lot of people there. Vegas does a good job. Nevada does a good job of making sure that there's enough judges there. And I think a lot of these men and women have worked some pretty heavy workloads before. We, we heard what uh, uh, Ben Cartledge did. When he was on our show talking about oh, some yeah. of these really marathon uh, events, yeah. so I'm sure I'm sure these men and women can handle it. And that was it for the rounds. That's it for contested rounds. Favorite finish, Dan. Well, before we, you know, we're gonna wrap this up really quick here. What was your favorite finish? Hannah from, from UFC. Let's say yeah, Hannah Gold, the armbarring Emily Whitmire, and uh, I guess you gotta call that somewhat of a comeback victory. She was getting beat up on the ground pretty good. Did you see the welt on her leg from the one leg kick? No. Oh my god! It's like it's like holy crap! This what a huge welt, and then. Brendan Fitzgerald's like, seems a little out of a uh, fish out of water here on the ground. And then she arm bars her a minute later. Oops. <laughs> so that was my favorite. What about you? Mine was actually a much bigger comeback. I think you would probably even agree oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, Nate Manis rallying from a near TKO at the end, or excuse me, probably a KO at the end of round one. He looked really hurt. He looked out I guess it, you know, who knows? TKO, TKO, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, he, he looked like he was a bad way. I mean, if you want to say saved by the bell, you know, that doesn't necessarily affect the way it's judged or anything like that. But he certainly was in trouble. And I think he was saved by the bell here. He comes back. And he rallies and gets the TKO victory over Tony Gravely. So impressive job. You can call him Gravely. It's Gravely. I don't care what anybody says. You don't care what he says. I don't even care what. No, your name is Gravely. (laughs) I agree. But that was my favorite. I I think we had some decent finishes on the whole. But this was anytime you get such a rally. I'm always very interested in those. Yeah, this was this was I thought he was out. Like, how would you say say Manis was clearly winning the round cruising to a Mm 10-9 gets smashed with that. He automatically loses the round, right? But does it go push all the way to 10-8? I, I think it depends. I mean, it, everything's contextual. But in this particular yeah. instance, all three judges, I will say, gave this one a 10-9. Okay. I will defer to them. I will say it's yeah. a 10-9. All right. That's what I'll do. That's our show, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. I am looking forward to this weekend's fights. And I'm looking forward to doing a midweek, uh, well, let's say Friday show. Uh, as well. Hope you guys will check that out. Yeah, we'll be back on Friday. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.